0: You're listening to episode number 144 of Halfway There Christian Stories, where we have honest conversations with ordinary Christians about today's Christian experience. This is episode number 144 with Felina Huertz. <laughs> Hey friends, welcome to Halfway There. I'm your host, Eric Nevins, and I'm so glad that you are here, whether it's the first time you found the show or uh, you've listened to every single episode, because I know there are some of you out there who've done that. Uh, There's a lot of good stuff back in the archives. If you haven't, I would totally recommend going back through. Um, Welcome, welcome, welcome. So today is... as it's we're sitting here in the middle of June, and I want to just give you a little update about what's happening uh with my family the The family is out of school finally, which was kind of a weird end to the school year um given all that happened, and we're settling into a summer routine. you know that old summer routine when, when everybody sleeps till like nine o'clock or the teenagers sleep until like eleven. Yeah, that's happening at my house all the time right now. And I keep devising ways to kind of get them up, get them out of the house. So this week they're going to the library and uh, the pool and then maybe a a cheap movie one afternoon so I can get some work done. Um, One thing I'm working on is the Christian Podcast Summit. And I wanted to just tell you about that. This summit is going to be really amazing. Um, lots of really great information. We're going to learn about email lists. We're going to learn about how to get great guests. I'm going to actually share my guest intake process, um, when I, uh, which is what what I do, um, how I streamlined the whole thing. So you don't have to go back and forth, looking, trying to figure a time that works for everybody, things like that. Um, and so that's what I'm speaking about. But we have a bunch of other great speakers. If you're a podcaster, I just want to invite you to check that out. So if you want to go to halfwaytherepodcast.com and just click on the show notes for this episode number 144 and uh in down scroll to scroll the bottom there'll be a uh some material about some uh this just scroll to the bottom there will be will be some material about this episode about this conference and uh anyway that's happening on June 15th so just a week from now if you are, um, listening to this later than that, sorry, you missed it, but we're going to do another one. So I totally recommend that you go check it out as well. Um, we're going to do that probably in January. So anyway, if you're a Christian podcaster, I know I have a bunch of Christian podcasters who listen. I want you there. I want you to join in and learn how to increase your audience. For the show. Um, Okay. Well, today let's talk about our guest. Our guest is Felina Huertz. And uh, here's the thing about her she's a spiritual director, she is an author. Um, One of the cool things about being a podcaster is sometimes I get books from publishers. This is one that I received, and I I really, um, as I dug into it, I really enjoyed it. Uh, So, as you guys know, my background is in spiritual formation. And uh, so the contemplative life is something that really intrigues me. It's something I pursue, uh, not as wholeheartedly as I wish I did uh, sometimes, but I am pursuing it. And so when I get a chance to read a book like her book, Mindful Silence, The Heart of Christian Contemplation, I dig it. I really, really do enjoy it. So let me just share with you a couple of quotes. I share some in in the conversation, but two things that she says and they're actually on the two pages very early on um, right across from each other she says life has a way of dumbfounding our religious paradigms man I love that because how how true is that I mean one one of the processes of growing spiritually is letting your religious paradigms all the ways that you thought you accessed God by doing all the right things be dumbfounded right and then you realize oh no that's not right i actually have to go straight to him not through my religious practice or my moral living or my faithful whatever it is right those things are all good i'm i'm not denigrating any of them but um when they become more than tools they they can be bad so um anyway that is that i thought was a great quote and then another one that she says is um she's talking about mindfulness and why that's why that's interesting. She says, contemplative practices were designed to awaken us to truth, not to cure illness. Isn't that interesting? Of course, the gospel cures our illness. it cures what ails us. But uh, contemplative practices help us understand the truth about ourselves. And uh, when you go from that stage of um, learning Jesus to finding yourself in Jesus, taking off the false self is exactly what has to happen. And contemplative practices help you do that. So that's why I was really interested in talking with Felina and um, why I wanted to share her story with you and some of the practices. We didn't get as into her story. She's got a really interesting story. Uh, We didn't get as much into it as I'd hoped we would um, because we spent a lot, we got kind of off on these other topics because I was enjoying talking about them. So I hope you enjoy it. Uh, So here it is, Felina. Here's my conversation with Felina Hurtz. Thank you for being here, at Felina. Why don't you just tell us a little bit about uh, yourself and kind of the work you're doing now?
1: Sure. So I live in Omaha, Nebraska. Uh, I've been here since 2012. No, 2002. I get my dates confused. Uh, for about 20 years, my husband and I co-directed an international nonprofit. We worked in um, communities of severe poverty, survivors of trafficking, children mm-hmm. of war, uh, children with HIV and AIDS, and that was really intense work. Yeah. And along the way, we um, discovered our need for a deep spirituality to uh, really sustain and help us thrive in that service in the world. And so I stumbled my way onto the contemplative path um, through a gracious teacher named Thomas Keating, mm. a Trappist monk actually from your neck of the woods in yeah. Snowmass. And, uh, and, my life has never been the same. So in 2012, we started Gravity, a center for contemplative activism to devote ourselves full time to helping people integrate contemplation and action.
0: Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So I don't usually think of Omaha as a bastion of contemplative uh, (laughs) thoughts. So that's, that's cool. So I can't wait to hear about, uh, about kind of how that came about and and the work that you guys do. Um, Mm -hmm. But let's do that as part of your story. So let, let's let go back. So are you from Omaha? You said you've been there for a while. So where, where are you from?
1: So I'm originally from Indianapolis, born in Cincinnati, um, moved to Indianapolis when I was two and grew up there with my parents and my two brothers. I'm the middle daughter of three children, an older brother and younger brother. And then I uh, went to a, a conservative Christian university called Asbury oh, University. Yeah. Uh, and that's where I met my husband, and uh, and then straight out of college, um, relocated to South India, and and then things just took off from there. Wow.
0: Okay, so what was the spiritual life like as a kid?
1: Mm. Well, my father was a pastor, okay. so I um, grew up going to church at least three times a week. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so from the time I, I mean, from the earliest of days, like, I mean, I just don't remember my life. Without God, you know, God was really central to my upbringing, and uh, and I honestly um, took to God from a young age. So I Mm. took my my spiritual life very seriously. It wasn't just uh, going through the motions or doing what my parents wanted me to do. It was a it was definitely a personal commitment from a young age. But I um, I had a lot to learn as I made my way out of the Bible belt in the middle of America (laughs) into um, a world of, of great suffering that, that happened to um, challenge a lot of my religious paradigms.
0: Yeah. Okay. So describe some of both your spiritual experience and your religious paradigms before you went to India.
1: Mm. Yeah. So I think uh, my religious paradigms growing up was the assumption that God is good and God is good to me. And if I uh, live my life a certain way, there will be um, nice benefits uh, to um, like living a life of devotion to God would, um, would make a good life for me, um, would be meaningful. And, um, and God would give good gifts to, to me as a daughter of God. Uh, so pretty simple and um, and basic in terms of God is a loving God who gives good gifts to his children. Of course, God was perceived as a male, um, mm. and that was um, pretty central to my upbringing so then once I um, got into the world and started facing terrible injustices and Uh, Inequalities and poverty and suffering um, Things really started to shift and there's a, a, a particular story that connects to that So about eight years into that service I was in Freetown Sierra Leone at the peak of the war over blood diamonds and I write about that at length in the book I won't take up too much time with it now, but enough to say that I was confronted with the contradictions and paradoxes of humanity in that um I was faced with with this unresolvable pain of child soldiers committing atrocity mm. to young girls and uh, and realizing that the young boys were also victims and I was met with kind of you know uh, oppressors we're all kind of victims victimizing one another, and how does the cycle ever end? Uh, just this realization that um, at every kind of level that we're all harming one another in some way or another. And there's a cycle of violence that we um, find ourselves in. And so after that kind of unresolvable pain that I was confronted with there, uh, I came home to Omaha uh, processing all of that and found myself questioning God's goodness. Um, You know, I'd gone out into the world because of my love for God. And because I thought God was love and I had this terrible earth shattering experience in Freetown, which caused me to question God's goodness and whether or not God was even love. Yeah. So it's that age old question, you know, around like, if God is good, why is there suffering? Right. Right. And, and as my life unfolded, then um, I started to come to terms with my own suffering that I had been unconscious to before. Mm. Like, like what? uh, So things like, I mean, this is like really, this was really hard when I woke up to it, but I mean, I grew up with a very loving mother and father and um, by all outside um, observers, it would seem like a, you know, a good wholesome family. But at a young age, I experienced um, a lack of love or a neglect of love uh, that's not to say my parents did anything wrong, but I experienced mm-hmm. um, the those relationships as lacking, as not loving me in all the ways that I needed to be loved at, at you know at, adult, at a very vulnerable developmental stage. And uh, and so to wake up to that pain that had been with me from a young age um, was was really earth shattering as well and. Um, And it was an experience of um, realizing that I had been compensating for that experience all of my life. And that's what developed my personality, which we understand from the Greek uh, origin of that word. That's persona. It's a mask. So we all, this is the trajectory Mm. of what it means to be human. We end up compensating for the lack or in some cases, you know, the real um, trauma that we've experienced. Um, So either lack, neglect, abandonment, or some kind of um, inflicted pain or trauma. And and to cope, we develop a personality to get us through life, um, to get us through that suffering. Well, when we wake up to that, then we're faced with um, the big question of who am I?
0: Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Which really is the the question that we have to do. So that's interesting. Um, so you grew up, I, I have this kind of, you know, everybody has stages of sort of the spiritual journey, right? But Uh, So what I'm hearing you say is you grew up in the church. You grew up in the, in the world. You, you went, um, to go serve the Lord overseas, right? And there you were, were you, um, so that's sort of learning Jesus, right? You were going to go be Jesus, right? You were going to, you were going to be him and witnessing the suffering took you into this deeper journey of finding yourself in Jesus.
1: Mm, Great way to put it. Yeah. Yeah, really great way to put it. Which, like it that.
0: which is interesting, right? That's um, So I I talk about that a lot because I think uh, one of the things that lacks in evangelicalism is we have this theology of the self, that self is bad, selfishness is, well, selfishness may be a sin, but we don't have this idea of who we are. So you, but we have to wrestle with that ultimately. And that's what I hear you wrestling with is who, mm-hmm. who am I, who am I in God and who is he to me and who, who, mm-hmm. how does he reveal himself to me?
1: Yeah, I think what you're touching on, and which was certainly my experience, was having grown up in a, a theology that really emphasized God's transcendence,
2: mm-hmm. but
1: but neglected God's imminence. So I so I grew up um, relating to God as if God is out there, um, more as an object, and um, and like I think it's Thomas Merton who wrote, um, "God has become the subject of my existence." So moving from God as an object yeah. to whom I try and relate and maybe try and please or or win God's favor or stay in God's good graces, um, this process in my spiritual journey was very much about finding myself in God and God in, in me.
0: Yeah. Well, is there any story or like moment that you remember that that really became tangible for you or palpable? Like when you go, oh yeah, that's, this is how I learned that God was personal.
1: mm well, it's interesting because I would, I would say that my whole life, I thought God was personal, yeah. um, that I was, re- but I was relating to God more as an object. And I think in the term you're in the way you're using personal, um, it was awakening to, um, being in God and God being in me, this, this union of, I, I don't exist apart from God. It's in God and acts. I think we read it in God. I live and move and have my being. Yeah. Um, all things hold together in Christ. There is no separation um, between us, and it's it's my my only way of, of yeah of breathing and existing is because I am in God um, and God is in me. I'm trying to think of a of a tangible experience because this was very um, ongoing. It was yeah. a subtle, slow transformation of consciousness more than it was like a peak experience sure. of, of realizing it.
0: And um, that, that makes a lot of sense. And so there's not like one story that stands out. That's okay. I just, yeah. uh, I know that we like to hear kind of those moments for our friends listening, you know, friends, I think, you know, that's sometimes how it goes, right? So even if you're in the middle of the, of the transformation in the middle of kind of wrestling with all of these kinds of issues, stick with it because it's worth it at the end. Um, or as you go through Um, God is there. He is present, even if he feels like he isn't.
1: That's right. And I think that's really key. And that's a, a, an important point in contemplative spirituality, uh, in evangelicalism, like I grew up, there was a sense in which if you didn't feel God or experience God, then something must be wrong with you. Right. Like you've done something wrong. Um, you've fallen out of God's grace. And in contemplative spirituality through um, the various uh, mystics of the church and their writings, um, we come to realize that that feelings um, can be deceiving and uh, and that there are these moments in the spiritual journey. John of the Cross in particular is such a master of this, of helping us understand what's happening when God grows silent, when we have when we don't have any felt experience of God, this is actually a season of great purification. And I think of it in terms of the apostle Paul's writings uh, of being weaned off of milk and getting ready for solid food. Like we have to, um, if we're going to advance in the spiritual journey and get to a place of really, uh, of realizing our identity as being in Christ. um, um, What are some of the scriptures uh, like, um, I'm trying to think of Paul's uh, The words are escaping me at the moment um, t- for me to live as Christ right? yeah. to die as gain. So to be able to, if we're going to advance the spiritual journey and really realize that identity that you and I are talking about of being in Christ and Christ being in us, then there's a necessary season of um, the felt experience of God growing dark. And in that we're weaned off of the breast, if you will, um, and we're brought into um, a greater maturity of of realizing that oneness, so that we can be about really cooperating with God, co-creating with God in the healing of our world, which is really different from. It may seem subtle, but it's like really different from how my, the first half of my life was in my work in the world, um, where I was trying to be like Jesus. I was trying to do good. For Jesus or for God, um, this is different. This is emerging um, of of myself and God, um, learning how to cooperate with God and let the life of Christ th- flow through me. So it's a participation, really, in the mystery of Christ in the world in me.
0: Yeah. So how did that how did that sh- uh, shape you, or how did you um, respond? Because I think a lot of us, particularly in evangelicalism we think that the meat is the theology, right? Is the, is knowing scripture, which isn't important. I'm never going to denigrate that. I've got degrees in it. Right. Mm-hmm. But it's actually learning to live and walk with God. That is the meat, not the milk.
1: Oh my gosh. That's so right. The, 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 the scriptures can only point us really to God, um, but they they don't necessarily um, help us experience God. We can experience God through scriptures, right. but that's a different approach. That's a participation in the mystery. And it's not that participation isn't limited to words on a page. Um, Jesus is the word, the logos before all of time. Yeah. Um, God, you know, Jesus is not limited to words on a page. Those words um, are a gateway to the very living presence that is, from the beginning and will be forever and ever. And it's that presence that we want to connect with.
0: Right. Yeah. That was one of the situations or one of the realizations for me when I realized that, what scriptures for, when I changed that from, okay, to give me three points to talk about in a sermon or Bible study to, oh, they're here to reveal God to me. They're here mm-hmm. to, t- the scriptures are here to tell me who God is. Yeah. And so then, that's a whole different thing to read for, right?
1: That's right. You know, knowledge doesn't transform; only participation allows us to yeah. transform. So, knowledge, um, and I think that's one of the problems Christianity in the West is facing today, is this overemphasis for the last several centuries on um, relating to our faith in a very um, intellectual, rational, logical fashion. Um, through the mind, through acquiring knowledge. And so we've really emphasized doctrine and dogma and these kinds of things um, for regulating our path. And many of us have found that it's not working, like we're not actually changed. Uh, A belief system doesn't produce the kind of transformation that we thought it would. Um, So just because we have a belief doesn't mean that it's making any difference in our life right so it's the difference comes through um, through participating in the Paschal mystery the the suffering death and resurrection of Jesus this wasn't just you know a, an historical event that we now get to believe in or not believe in this is an invitation for us to participate in that process of what it means to be human to be divinely human to realize our identity as children of God
0: yeah was there do you have any experiences, personal, like personal experiences where you kind of realize that, or where you kind of experienced it yourself or.
1: Hmm. I mean, again, it's like, I know it's hard I, to, I know I want to, I know I, I need to give illustrations cause that's how people really connect. Um, and it's just, so let me see if I can come up with something, but again, just to emphasize, you know, this is, this is a lifelong process yeah. of waking up and and being transformed or like in the teachings of Paul to have my mind renewed. Um, and so I'm in the process even now of, of this renewal and this transformation and realizing ultimate reality and the impact on my identity and how I move and work in the world. Um, I, I can, I can give you like this kind of illustration of how it fleshed out along the way in my former organization, uh, when I started waking up to this personality, my, this mask that I wore uh, to compensate for the lack of love that I experienced, I realized that I was very much driven by uh, meeting other people's needs. If I could meet their needs, then I would get some semblance of approval or affirmation or what I experienced as love. So just as long as Mm. I could kind of keep my tendrils in the needs of other people and do what I could to meet those needs, then I felt somewhat happy, happy in quotes. Um, It's not a a fulfillment. Um, It's a a band-aid. And when I woke up to that, I started um, noticing, I started being aware of when I was when I was interacting with the world in that way and in the formal organization that meant um, ultimately like asking for a different kind of um, position in the organization that I sensed was more aligned with who I was in Christ and how Christ wanted to move and work through me to be of service, but it wasn't um, to be of service in the way of trying to get something that would feed me or fuel me. Um, it was being in service in a way of, um, of being more aligned with the life of Christ in me and how I was really made in my, in my essence to be um, relating to, to the world. Mm. And so that required like some really, really tough conversations with my husband and with our board of directors and uh, reimagining the structure of the organization to accommodate these very real concrete incarnated changes that were taking place in my consciousness and in my awareness of, of who I am in the world. And so those were tough experiences.
2: I I
0: bet. Well, it's so interesting. What an interesting dichotomy, right? Cause I think as you were talking, what I was thinking about is so many of us are on that journey. We're trying to find that fulfillment, right? Mm -hmm. You know, I, I worked in a cube for 13 years and I hated it the whole time. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So going to try to find that next and i could that next thing like what is it what is it where i'm actually doing the thing god made me to do that's what we're we're all trying to find particularly you're finding this with millennials right now right like they're way more interested in that than like the gen xers like us and and Mm. the the baby boomers Mm. um which is interesting so i think that's a, a really valuable point um an illustration to go hey this you know there's maybe there's more maybe you're maybe you're still wearing masks. There's like layers, right? where things yes. where even if you're doing good and it fulfills you in a certain way, there might be something underneath that God is still calling. And so going through that process of shedding all the stuff that yes. he doesn't want, which is interesting. It brings new meaning to what Paul says when he says, put on uh, what Christ or when he uses that language, right? The, the take yeah. off the, all the stuff that doesn't yeah. belong there and put on the, the character of Christ.
1: Yes, that's right. Yes. And so, yeah, these teachings around putting on Christ and becoming like Christ, um, I'm thinking about Philippians, um, where, where Jesus, there's this beautiful passage of how Jesus left his glory Mm -hmm. and emptied himself, the scriptures say, emptied himself, became nothing. Um, And we are then in that, in that text, it, it reads that we are to um, be of the same mind, yeah. to be like that, to empty ourselves. So what does it mean to empty ourselves? It's like this is the teaching that we need more of in our churches to help people begin to distinguish between their what classically we've understood as like true self and false self or what Paul referred to as old creation and new creation. Yeah. So how do we begin to identify what are the aspects of that old creation and what are the aspects of the new And how can I nurture and nourish the new creation in me and and be more aligned with that? Because if I'm trying to find fulfillment through the false self or the old creation, I'm always going to come up short in terms of that fulfillment that I'm looking for. And so I have to find a way to empty myself of that false self or that old creation so that I can then Live into my identity that is aligned with with Christ that is what it means to be a child of God to find my life in christ and christ's life in me
2: yeah
0: and that's a hard process it yeah. can be a long process
1: it is and it is it is a crucifixion right it is a crucifixion it is a death and it's not for the faint of heart and unfortunately i i am a i think a, a number of churches just haven't um haven't given us the goods. Um, It's too easy. Your church is too easy. I read a quote from someone here recently. (laughs) Your church is too easy. It's like, this is a crucifixion. Take up your cross and die. That's what Jesus has invited us to.
0: Well, it's one, it's different than simply denying yourself. Like it's it's different than just like being an aesthetic and just not like going, you know, I'm not going to give myself any pleasure. It's not that. And also I think the reason that our churches are not doing well in this is because our leaders are not there. They've been, they've been told. So this is one of my hobby horses, go back to my kind of paradigms of the, of the journey. But, um, you know, we're, there's that fine. I'm just going to give them to you. So I want to get to your book. I promise we're going to do that. Um, <laughs> but the, uh, it's, you know, meeting, meeting Jesus, learning Jesus, finding yourself in Jesus and then loving like Jesus. That's the way I kind of organized it. But so many of our leaders are in that learning Jesus, right? And that's what they're giving us. They're teaching us that all of that, thinking that they're teaching us spiritual maturity. And then they're wondering why are my people not growing? It's because you're not leading them to the loving like Jesus. That's why you're not mm-hmm. taking them through that journey.
1: Um, yeah. And it's, you know, it's, it's a shame to our, our seminaries too, because our, our, Pastors are not getting formed um, in a holistic way. They're getting formed in terms of knowledge, but what about um, in terms of the transformation of the self?
0: Yeah. So how do you help remedy this? I'm guessing that that's what you do with the
1: Gravity Center. Yeah. So we have um, our work cut out for us. Let me tell you, (laughs) I I am a certified spiritual director. I have a master's in Christian spirituality as well. And, uh, and so I meet with clients one-on-one for spiritual direction to get to this very point of like, we have to move from the head to the heart, to the body. Like how can this knowledge and, and these beliefs really support the transformation? Um, and so I, I meet with clients and then, uh, I give contemplative retreats, uh, here in the Omaha area. And then I, I travel quite a bit for that. My husband is, um, uh, he is a, an Enneagram teacher. So he has a wonderful book called the sacred Enneagram. And he does a lot of work one-on-one with clients and then traveling and teaching. And so we're helping folks, Yeah. um, Move from the head to the heart to the body Mm. to support this transformation of consciousness that allows us to then let the life of Christ live in and through us.
0: Yeah. Well, I love the holistic way you put that, right? The head to the heart to the body, because I think many of us will say, oh, we got to get it into our heart. But that's not enough. Mm -hmm. The whole piece of your humanity, which includes your body, which God made and he loves. It's not bad. That's Plato. That's not Jesus.
1: That's right. Right.
0: And it's okay to like we need to just our whole being is offered up to, to the Lord.
1: Yes. Oh, wow, yes. I
0: love that. Okay. So I do want to talk about mindful silence because this I, I told you uh that I was kind of highlighting things on every page because this is obviously my my wavelength and uh I was excited to to get it. But tell us a little bit about about the book and why you wrote it.
1: Mm-hmm. So my first book was pilgrimage of a soul contemplative spirituality for the active life. And, uh, the, the narrative of that book actually takes place along the Camino de Santiago for anyone interested oh, yeah. in the Camino. But, um, that book traces seven movements of the soul, awakening, longing, darkness, death, transformation, intimacy, and union. And it's, it, it invites the reader to experience, um, aspects of the contemplative life, uh, at the, so, then a lot of the feedback from my readers were, was like, wow, this is amazing. And contemplative spirituality, contemplative prayer, what is that? Yeah. Where does that come from? And why have I not heard about it in my church? So, thus, um, mindful silence was conceived as um, a way of addressing that need that people had. Like they were um, responding well to my journey and my spiritual journey and experience of of transformation but they wanted to understand better like how this fits within the christian orthodoxy so mindful silence um, is outlined with various aspects of contemplative spirituality like unknowing to know uh, liberation by discernment uh, these kinds of things and and then in each chapter, I, I write about that particular theme or aspect of, of, of contemplative spirituality, and I introduce the reader to a teacher in the Christian tradition, uh, and we get to learn from that teacher. And then each chapter ends with a particular practice to help people, again, be, move what they're you know, d- ingesting through the mind and bring it into the heart and into the body for, um, for that kind of transformation.
0: Yeah. There was one quote, um, that I just absolutely loved, um, from Thomas Keating that you, that you give very early. Uh, he says, if you stay on the spiritual journey long enough, the practices that sustained your faith will fall short. I think we've kind of talked about that, right? Mm-hmm. When this happens, it can be very disillusioning. And that's, that's the place that we fall down. I think we don't, we don't help people cause they get messy there. Um, but if we stay on the journey, we find out that this is actually an invitation to go deeper with God. And that is the real joy.
1: Mm, yeah, that's where it's at.
0: Yeah. Very interesting. I love that. Introducing people to um, additional, like di- different teachers that mm-hmm. uh, I thought that was a pretty cool um, way to go about it so that people could, at least, you know, you have another place to go if you if you need to, you know, if you want to yeah. start digging into that. So whatever was right for you, whatever resonates with you, you can, you can keep going.
1: Yes. And to realize that you know, this isn't just my idea or my teaching, but this is, um, I'm surrounded by a host of, of witnesses, you know, and, um, and of course, the book explores at length um, Holy scripture and how scripture illuminates us to this path without necessarily saying contemplative. Um, And so just really help. I think the book is really important for people who are interested in contemplative spirituality, want to learn more, or maybe have been stumbling along the way and need some support for the journey.
0: Right. Yeah. So friends, if you're um, especially if you are in uh, a place, a lot of of churches, like we said, just don't have a category for this. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, I guess we could, we could blame them. That's probably not going to do us any good, but there are resources out there, which is one of the brilliant pieces of brilliance that we have in our age, you can find them. So uh, this book, Mindful Silence, the Heart of Christian Contemplation might be great for you to just take that and dig into uh, some of the practices of the church historically. Um, The the road is deeper and wider and longer than we've been led to believe, right? There is the tradition that we have goes back a lot further. And so dig into it.
1: Yeah, please do. We're all counting on you to, to do your part, to do your your work, um, so that we can collectively get on with the healing of the world. Yeah,
0: I wanted to ask you. So it it's a pretty big leap to go from evangelical the evangelical world to, uh, like Thomas Keating, right? Like it's that takes a little bit. How was that? Was that hard? Was that like? I'm sure it took some time. But
1: well, I feel really blessed to have. Um, been influenced by some of the, the best um, Catholic teachers there are. I mean, mm. early on, I was um, working with Mother Teresa and the Missionaries of Charity. And I mean, nobody wow. gets, looks more like Jesus in, in their I life know. than mother, you know? And uh, and then other teachers um, throughout my younger adult years um, tended, tended to be Catholics. It was the Catholic writers and um, movers in the world that were, I was rubbing up against and like rubbing shoulders with and like learning from, and they were so attracted because of their, their integrated life and the incarnated life of Jesus really being seen in their life, you know? And, and so by the time I met Thomas, you know, there's a wisdom saying that when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. Yeah. And that's what I experienced, you know, is like when I met him, it was right on time. And I, it was after like a two year literal dark night of soul. And my church wasn't helping me, (laughs) you know, and I was really struggling to find guides to get me through that darkness. And he showed up right on time. And I just took to him like a bead of honey and the practice of centering prayer that he taught me.
0: Wow. Yeah, that's fantastic. Okay, and you go through how to how to do centering prayer. The practices are in there, friends, so you can get the get the book and figure that out. All right, I know you gotta run, but Felina, thank you so much for being here. I appreciate you sharing a little bit of your story and some of the stuff. These are the conversations I love to have, so thanks for doing it.
1: No, oh, it's been my pleasure. And I should mention that um, we've recently released some chapter videos or like many, mini, oh, cool. mini films um, that are available at Vimeo On Demand. I can send you the link if you want to put it in the show notes, but just so your listeners know if they want some accompaniment with the reading of the book, um, those are available. And, and with the videos is um, some reflection questions for each chapter.
0: Awesome. That's great. Yeah. Send that link. Friends, you can find it at halfwaytherepodcast.com as always, as well as links to both of Felina's books and the gravity center and, uh, you can get it all there. So thanks Felina.
1: Thank you, Eric.
0: Well, Hey friends. Uh, thank you for listening Felina. Thank you for sharing your story. I am so excited that you did. Um, it was definitely great. Um, that is so, so powerful. Friends, if you have not had a chance to go out and support the show on Patreon, I invite you to do that. Patreon is a platform where it allows you to give on a monthly basis to podcasters or other artists who um, do, who you get uh, stuff from for, for free so that you can help them keep creating. And so I would really deeply appreciate it, even if you just just one month at the $5 level, you'll get some extra conversations that I put out every month. And uh, if you go in at the $25 month level, I'll send you a free t-shirt. Even if you only support just once guys, thank you so much. Uh, Consider going out to Patreon and offering uh, just a, just a little bit. And um, I'll look forward to being here with you next week. All right, friends keep the faith.